You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 89 of a Life in Ruins podcast, where we investigate the careers of those living a life in ruins. I'm your host, Carlton Gover, and I am joined by my co-host, David Howe. Connor's not with us today. He's on his way to the Sunshine State to, uh, I don't know. I have nothing wet. I didn't prepare for that, David. Is Arizona uh, the Sunshine State or is it the, I think so. the gun state? I can't remember. Uh, either or. Uh, well, anyways, today we are joined by two guests. We have Zach Rice and Taylor Moore for a special four-segment episode. Zach and Taylor are the directors for the Pawnee Language Program back in Pawnee, Oklahoma. Very excited to have them on tonight. How are the two of you guys doing? Great. We're great. <laughs> uh, we're, we're honored to be on your podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're glad to have you guys. Yeah, this is a... I think you're the first linguist we've talked to, which is yes. something we really need to have on the show more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know of any. Yeah, you guys refer to the first linguistic anthropologist. I don't. I mean, I just don't know that many in general. Well, I know like a couple guys from Indiana, but other than that, just not something archaeologists are usually usually around, even in the same department. So really excited to have you guys on tonight. Right. Yeah, we're peaking, man. We're peaking right here. It's, <laughs> all, it's all downhill after this podcast. From, from <laughs> well, good stuff. Uh, so, um, I mean, just to start off with the episode, uh, just a little bit about background between you two, start off with, uh, with Zach. So, Zach, you are pawning. As well as, as well as Taylor, which band of Pawnee are you, and are you related, to, or do you belong to any other uh, tribal nations? Oh yeah, correct. So yeah, my name is Zach Rice, and yeah, I'm Skeedy Pawnee. But I have a lot of uh, familial connections, you know, to a lot of the other bands as well. So can you let the audience know, and maybe me, what Skeedy is versus like the other bands of Pawnee? Or is oh it yeah, just, for sure. Yeah. So uh, Pawnee is made up of four bands. We have okay. Skeedy, like I said, what I am, what Carlton is. We have uh, three other bands that the Skeedy is called the South Bands. That's the Chawi, the Kitkahaki, and the Pitahawidot. So we have these four bands that make up uh, the Pawnee tribe. Awesome. Cool. I did not know that. Wait. Yeah, man. You might have told me, Carlton, and I just maybe I just forgot, but that's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's probably the case. Um, and what about you, uh, uh, uh I just kept stuttered on. I was like, wait a second. Like why I was, I was like staring at Taylor Moore right down there and it just was not coming out. <laughs> well, when, when he was in school, Zach and I would always get called the other person's name uh, close enough. So, <laughs> but I am a kid gawky, So I'm outnumbered by the skeedy today. So a little intimidated. No, I, I've come off of all, I come off three of the bands. I come off the skeedy, and the Pitahawi Dota, but not the Chawi. And then other tribal nations, I'm uh, Oto, uh, Al Clan from them. And then I'm Dene. I don't uh, Salt Clan? I better not say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know I'm Salt Clan. I know. <laughs> salt Clan and Mini Goats. And that's all I know. Oh, gotcha. yeah, dang. That's what I forgot. My other tribes. Yeah. So I'm also on my mom's side, Sack and Fox and Oto as well, like Taylor. Owl Clan too, same as Taylor. Gotcha. That's cool. awesome. So did both of you guys grow up in Oklahoma originally? Yeah. 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 We 
I'll do mine. Zach and I have grown up together. I may be a couple months older than Zach, but I was a grade above him. So I know uh, I've grown up Pawnee my whole life. Pawnee. It's funny because whenever I'd like have to introduce myself at school, you know, those first couple of days and they're like at college and they're like, where are you from? You know, something, something you're um, about yourself. And I do that. My name's Taylor Moore. I'm Pawnee from Pawnee. <laughs> and that was it. And moved on to the next person. So, yes, whole life. Yeah, same thing for me my whole life. Born and raised in Pawnee. That was kind of my go-to intro to Pawnee from Pawnee. Gotcha. So kind of like growing up, you know, both of you guys growing up in, in Pawnee, Oklahoma, on the old Pawnee res, you know, what for a lot of the guests that we have on here, right, they kind of have some sort of like childhood connection to either like dinosaurs, like nature or uh, history. Zach, with you, like, were you any of those kind of like kids growing up, like one of a history buff, nature nerd? Oh, man, I'd definitely say all of the above as I sit here with the Jurassic Park t-shirt on y'all's <laughs> podcast. So, man, yeah, like Jurassic Park. I loved I loved dinosaurs as a kid, man. And I would say Jurassic Park kind of left that uh, lasting impression on me. And then um, has nothing to do with what you just asked about dinosaurs, but Jaws. Jaws was another big one for me when I was a kid. I used to want to be a marine biologist. But uh, yeah, that that didn't work out. Yeah. But yeah, so man, nature, everything, man. I love fishing, love hunting. I was always outside. I was one of those, uh, I'd say a weird kid collecting rocks. Not like a legit rock collection, you know, like awesome looking. But man, you just see some kind of unique rock and I had to have it, you know. So I was one of those kids, man. And I, I've always loved history too. Loved being around uh, old people, hearing stories whether that was, uh, you know, my grandma or, or other old people. So yeah, man, just all of the above. Excellent. And what about you, Taylor? I would I lean more towards nature. I was always outside fishing, like Zach was saying. And then history, it was more our history. It was more like Pawnee history, our culture that, that I gravitated towards, not necessarily American history or world history, anything kind of like that. It was more, I wanted to know who I was, I guess, or, you know, where I come from, mm-hmm. our people come from, those kind of things. And then like me, I've, I've grown up singing in our tribal doings, you know, like our ceremonies and stuff. So that's always been right there. I've always been connected to that. Gotcha. Is there good fishing around Pawnee, Oklahoma? <laughs> I'll, in my spots, yes. Yeah, yeah can't, can't, can't share those with you. No, all, no. I can't share those. I'm sorry, but yes, yes. Yeah, a lot of pond hopping, man. So I gotcha. Understood. Did, so, um, um, oh, oh, go ahead, David. I was say, did you guys know Carlton like as younger, or did you guys meet him through academic stuff currently, or like through the tribe? Or I'm trying to think. So, Carlton, I think we we met maybe by phone oh i think he was at wyoming at the time i want to say hmm. and uh yeah that's right you had reached out and so that was the first time i had meet met carlton but i know his folks the govers so okay that's that's one yeah. one big thing about being pawnee you know who's your folks so <laughs> so whoever your relatives is people always ask that in pawnee you know well who's your folks who's your relatives who's your grandma grandpa so through, through his family, I guess I knew Carlton. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't spend much time in Pawnee growing up. I was always in Wind River or Crow Agency. It was kind of my, I was always hanging around like Shoshone's, Arapahoes, and Crows. And I'd get back for homecoming like every now and then. I was just helping helping out my Aunt Clem uh, most of the time. So I didn't really know these guys when I was growing up. But yeah, um, I spoke to you guys. I think John Michael Knife Chief got me in touch with you guys. I had a question about the Pawnee language and I had like a brief phone call with the two of you. I think you guys had just finished up your your degrees maybe that, i think that, so yeah yeah <laughs> i think so I do, I do remember meeting you at the museum over there in pawnee yeah that's right you walked in when i was there for uh to collect some uh stories from some folks that's a fun museum like just to sit with uh, uncle herb and, and adrian and matt and just kind of talk was a really interesting work environment mm-hmm. you can never go in there for a couple minutes it has to be you have to be <laughs> you have to be committed for at least an hour with the whole Absolutely. So did you guys go to the uh, Pawnee Nation College after after high school or did you guys go directly to um, a four year institution? Uh, I went to uh, um, Bacon College for one semester, um, crawled across that finish line <laughs> for that <laughs> semester and then then went to the Pawnee College and then got all my grades up. So got my associates from there and then went on to a four year. Yeah, so. Like Taylor, I started out, I actually started out at OU first, um, coming out of high school. And funny story, I told you I, I loved rocks as a kid. I was actually a geology and paleontology major. But chemistry kicked my butt, man, and kind of kind of ruined those hopes and dreams pretty quick. So, yeah, after, after OU, man, I, I transferred. I went to Oklahoma State, actually, secondary mm-hmm. ed. Carlton, that's probably another thing we have in common. You mentioned wanting to be a history teacher and a coach I've heard on one year. Yeah. Podcast. I was that same guy. I was that same, same young guy. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I ended up at our, our tribal college and that's kind of where I, I found myself and found, you know, what I wanted to do, I guess, what, what I love to do. Gotcha. Cool. So, I mean, just continue on Zach, like um, how big were the classes at Pawnee Nation College and, and what, what did you learn there that kind of led you to go uh, back to OU? Uh, good question. Yeah. So the classes, I mean, they're they're small, man. I mean, Dottie, what do you think? Biggest class you ever had? Maybe like 10 people tops? I think no. At the college, I've had like seven. I, I've had one where we had about seven in there. And at the, the last month, it was just me and the teacher showing up. So I was like, I know, I know I'm getting an A because I'm the only one showing up. <laughs> yeah i would say yeah maybe i don't know anywhere from four to like eight ten people for me mm-hmm. and uh kind of finding myself there my my uncle one of my uncles uh tom knife chief he used to teach the Pawnee language there so he left a big impression on me with with our language and that's kind of where i won't say that that love for our language began but that's where he kind of nurtured that love Gotcha. And what about you, Taylor? What did you experience at Pawnee Nation College? And like, did you guys go to PNC at the same time? No, I think I had, um, I think I had finished right before Zach started. So mine, it was, I liked it. I mean, the classes were small. I was at home. Tuition was really cheap because it was going through Northern Oklahoma College. So like a full semester was a couple hundred dollars. And we got that pony chick <laughs> for, <laughs> for uh, school. So I got like an extra couple hundred because the uh, classes were really cheap. But I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it. They um, 
I took the Pawnee classes there as well, like Zach said. Yeah, and got my grades up. I don't think I ever so from coming from Bay Cone where I had my best grade was like a C maybe going to the Pawnee College because it was so it was right there. We got all A's. I don't think I ever got a B there, so it made my GPA look really good. <laughs> gotcha. And so Taylor, like when when did you decide to go to OU? And, and originally when you transferred, were you intending to do linguistic anthropology or was there kind of like a, a moment where you, you switched majors? Well, I went from the Pawnee College and I went to uh, Northeastern State University in Tahlequah. Zach, Zach had went to OU, but I hadn't went there yet. But I had uh, went for American Indian Studies. That was 2011 graduated in 2013. So I had a minor in, well, the first one was in linguistics. Second one was uh, hospitality and tourism. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Well, the plan was that the Pawnee nation was supposed to get this giant casino up there by the Kansas border. And I remember at Pawnee Powell, they had the blueprints I thought, oh shoot, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get in on this, you know. And then that's smart, yeah. And then our, our tribe, being our tribe, <laughs> that's all I'll say is they, they kind of blew that chance. Mm. So then I was sitting there in hospitality and tourism, and I was thinking like, well, I guess most people just work their way up to manager, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna jump into something else. And then I always um, been interested in the language. Zach and I, when we were in high school, we took a Pawnee language and history, multiple years. Um, so I got into linguistics then, and then I got it as a minor and graduated in 2013. Awesome. Gotcha. Uh, I have a question. One, I guess there's two questions. Could we define for the audience what linguistics is versus like linguistic anthropology? Uh, and my other question was, I think Pawnee, if I remember correctly from Carlton, it's Cadoan, right? Okay. Yeah, correct, correct. Cool. That was a deep pull in my head. You guys can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ted, did you throw that one to me, that question? Yeah, yeah. Dang, we talked about this before. So, I would guess I would – this is my definition, I guess, of it. What I've seen, what have I what – have what have I have experienced? Sorry. I guess linguistic anthropology is a little more the study of language, like within its culture, more holistic, I would say. Oh, linguistic cool. anth- or just linguistics at OU anyway was in the modern literatures, languages and linguistics department. And it was a little more just the study of the structure, I guess, of language from what I saw anyway, from my perspective. So that, that'd be kind of my definition of it. Gotcha. Okay. I like, yeah, I like that first one because it's your, the study of it within one's culture. That makes mm-hmm. sense. And that's why we do like signs and symbols and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Neat. What, I guess we kind of discussed that, like what made you guys want to do it, but like, do you, do you like it? Do you enjoy doing like linguistics? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I was at Northeastern state, they had this, uh, I had this, uh, language revitalization class. Cause it's, uh, over there at the Cherokee nation, you know, the mm-hmm. Cherokee nation headquarters in Tahlequah. And they had, uh, I had this teacher and he had put out all these, um, it was a PowerPoint and it had all these tribal nations on it. And it said, after five years, this many are going to be gone. And then I think we were at 
10 years we were supposed to be gone. I don't know why that kind of just made me mad for this guy to be up there saying in 10 years, your language is going to be extinct. You know, me being Pawnee and hearing that, uh, that just bugged me, you know, and I was almost kind of lit a fire underneath me. And then, but it was funny because at the same time, I had no idea Zach was in linguistics from OU. I had no idea because we had kind of lost uh, touch there for, for a while after I graduated from high school and Zach graduated doing our own things. Well, that's kind of where, but um, yeah, I, that's why, that's how I got my introduction to it. Linguistics. Nice. I like that. That's, that's always been something I was curious about is that we had two linguists come up at the same time, similar in age, just so happened one focused on Skeety and the other focused on South Bend, like kind of that combination it always struck me as like man i wish i had like a south Bend archaeologist that i could work with because that would make things so much easier and like have have that part of support that that you two appear to have in each other and your guys' studies you know you guys are kind of like this package now with uh with the pawnee like i don't hear like zach rice without taylor moore being mentioned and vice versa just kind of where you guys have have been so with that, I think we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and end this first segment. We'll be right back to talk about OU linguistic ant here in uh, segment two of episode eighty nine. Welcome back to episode was it eighty nine? The Life and Ruins podcast, almost to a hundred, guys. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, so we're here with Taylor and Zach, and we're talking about the Pawnee language, Pawnee culture, and linguistics. In last segment, we talked about how you kind of got like a fire lit under you, you know, about revitalizing the language or someone telling you that it was going to be dead in a few years. Is that kind of what fueled you both to do your master's in it? And like, what exactly was your master's work? Okay. So, uh, like how, um, Zach and I, we both graduated with our bachelor's in 2013. Um, again, we, we had no, Zach and I had kind of lost contact there for a little bit yeah. after high school, uh, mm. but we grew up together, you know, but we just, Life happens, you know, and sure. Zach had called me like, uh, I see, I finished in May. I think Zach called me like February. I was like, who is this? <laughs> who is this calling me? You know, but, <laughs> but I was just like, uh, I answered it, you know, and we talked on the phone for a while and he was asking me, Hey, you still interested in language? And I was finishing up that minor in linguistics. I was like, yeah, matter of fact, I am. I'm almost done. And, um, he was saying he was too. And then he asked me if I wanted to apply for the Breath of Life Language Conference 2013 in Washington, D.C. And yeah, I was like, well, worst they could do is say no. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. So so we applied and, and then if we didn't get in. So Zach, you want to talk about that? Or? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah, Tay was at NSU, I was at OU. And uh, I guess I had some tabs on you, Dottie, because uh, my auntie, <laughs> my auntie is uh, with his brother. So uh, Amber, she told me he was interested oh, in language, okay. so that's how I knew. Okay. So yeah, I, I hit him up and asked him, and yeah, like he said, dang, if we didn't get in, you know, Breath of Life language conference there in Washington D.C. And I think for that conference, my one of my mentors had mentioned that to me. Her name was uh, Mary Lynn. She was at OU at the time, and uh, she's actually at the Smithsonian now, actually. But yeah, she, she had mentioned that Zach, I know you're doing language. You should apply for this. And so after she told me that, that's when I reached out to Taylor, Taylor is all for it. We apply, we get in when we get in and we get accepted. We see a name as a part of the Pawnee team that we didn't know. And Carlton, if you wouldn't know, it was Tom Evans. Tom Evans name was on, 
on our Pawnee language team. And me and Taylor are like, who's Tom Evans? Who's Tom Evans? Because we saw another name we didn't know too. And that was our linguist, I think. Her name was Susan mm-hmm. Kung. So I think both of us probably called back home to Pawnee to our folks and say, hey, who's Tom Evans? Anyone know who Tom Evans is? And my dad said, yeah, he, I know him. And I think, hey, your folks yeah. said that as well. <clears throat> and yeah, so Tom was a, a gentleman. He worked there at the Smithsonian for quite a while. Uh, amazing gentleman. Um, I believe he was on our tribal council at one time in the maybe 80s or 90s or so as well. And that's when my dad knew him from. And uh, anyway, he was there working at the Smithsonian. And Tom's a resourceful man. So I'm, I'm sure he heard two Pawnee guys are applying for this language conference. And I guess he threw his name in the hat, too. And he got in. So we was a team of three at that at that point. Not anything you want yeah, to add to it was funny because we got there and it was like this giant conference room and was it the American Indian Museum or yeah yeah was it right. that museum the very top and Zach and I were I think we were getting some snacks at the back and then I wonder who Tom Evans is and we see this Indian man come out with the beaded belt and I was like I bet this is I bet this is Tom and he was like yeah we introduced ourselves and Zach and I we was gonna sit in the very back. So we like to do, and he was like, "I got some seats up here in the front," and we was right in the front, in front of everybody. We had to go in front of everybody, but it, it was great. It was great to meet Tom, and that's kind of where we. It was a two week language conference. We got to research the language. We got to look through archives, look through artifacts, see bundles, see fans, see feathers, all the stuff that um, that we've either heard of or seen pictures of, but never seen in person. So that was kind of, that was great for, for Zach and I. Man, I only met Tom once. He came when I gave a presentation at the museum about my research and he met up with me after and he wanted to sit down with me and just tell me everything he knew. And I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Like I'm my cousin Phil's driving me like, but next time I'm in Pawnee, like I'll sit down with you, Tom, and let's do this. And he like passed away like the Mm -hmm. month right after that. So I never got that chance to sit down and have, oh, yeah. and meet I, with him. I think we'll get into it, but that's kind of one of our um, our gripes with the tribe is, is they're they're waiting so long that we're, we're having knowledgeable elders pass, you know. But yeah, Tom Tom was great. He, he was great. Yeah. So after after this conference, what happened next between you two? Okay, so so Zach, while we're at the conference. <laughs> He was saying, because we roomed together, Zach and I, and we stayed at the George Washington University dorm and um, no TV. <laughs> so it was just me and Zach talking. And then um, he was like asking me about school. And I was like, man, I was done after my associates, you know? And then, uh, then I got a bachelor's degree. And I was like, no, for real, I'm done. And then every night he kept asking me, oh, what about a, What do you think about a master's degree? And I was like, no. And he kind of, he said something that was like, uh, we wouldn't have to go through parks. We wouldn't have to go through another linguist to learn about our language. We could do everything ourselves. We wouldn't have to go through other people. And that kind of resonated with me. And then by the end of it, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm I had two weeks to persuade him. <laughs> I'd be pretty persuasive when I need to be. So worked, yeah, worked on him for two weeks and yeah, we, we both end up in that master's program. I think we applied what that, that fall maybe of 2014. And then I think I had just finished my bachelor's. We got accepted right that, mm-hmm. in the spring. 
Mm-hmm. And then we started that following fall. Excellent. So both of you guys and and it, it was the linguistic anthropology program, right? Or was it do you guys have degrees in anthropology? Or is it a separate is linguistic anth under a separate um college? So I, I linguistic anthro, it's under anthropology. At OU they had uh oh sociocultural linguistic anthro. I think those are merged now. But at the time I don't believe they were. And then I guess our particular program is called the Mala program, and that's Taylor, what is that? Master of Arts in Applied Linguistic Anthropology, I think. Yeah. Gotcha. And were your um, masters, were these theses based or were they like project based? Starting with you, uh, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Thesis. We both of us had had to write our, our original one. So I was intimidated as soon as I stepped on campus. I've been to OU football games. And I remember going to the football games and be like, I don't know where I'm going. I only went off the main roads and parked in someone's yard and paid $20 to go to, to a football game. And I remember walking through campus and there ain't no way I would survive here. And then next thing I know I'm there, but Zach and I, those first two semesters, we had the same classes, same program. So I just followed Zach wherever he went. Cause he knew where he was going. Yeah. Your, uh, what was your thesis about? Daddy? Oh yeah. My thesis, it was, uh, um, how we can use, Pawnee music as language revitalization tool. So in my thesis, I um, focused on Pawnee hymns. Mm-hmm. The original idea was uh, one of our ceremonies, the Kitkahaki ceremony. It has certain songs that we only sing with that ceremony. And the more I thought about it, the more I looked into it, I was like, oh, I don't think this, this should be out there. So then my uncle, Herb, who's the uh, cultural resource division director, he was uh, asking me about recording some hymns that he knew. And um, so as we were recording him, after each one, he would tell me like the backstory behind that hymn, what it means, who who had wrote it. And then so it was a little like gift idea. That's what it was. And then it, I brought it back to Norman because Zach and I were, I don't know if we were in Norman at that time or not. And um, we started talking about it. I was like, I think this is what my... Um, thesis is going to be how we can use songs, but in this case, it was hymns as language revitalization tools. So that's kind of what my focus was on. So I'm not too familiar with it. I know, Carlton, you don't speak Pawnee too much or at all that I know of. Growing up, did you guys, like, did your parents speak Pawnee? Did you hear it a lot as a kid or was it just kind of in stories and songs and things like that? Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I, I've... My dad, he uh, he knows a little bit. Um, I will say that, and um, but I, I've been around the big drum probably since I was ten. So singing at our ceremony, singing at our, mm-hmm. at our dances, so that's kind of where I've been hearing the language more. And then my dad, he he's also uh, runs meetings for the Native American Church. Uh, so again, I'm a um, language is always in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach and I were we're kind of. When our last first language speakers passed, Zach and I were just kids, you know, like I, mm. I wish we would have been around them, but you know, we were outdoor kids. So it was probably yeah. fishing or so, you know, we were only like less than 10, probably or around 10. So mm. we didn't really care. We didn't know. We just wanted to go outside. So, yeah. Yeah. And then for me, I guess I just knew words and phrases. Um, 
here and there. So I, I, I wouldn't consider myself fluent or anything by any means, just words here and there that my dad knew from his dad. And I mm-hmm. guess my grandpa, he was, he was fluent. He passed away long before I was born, you know, mm-hmm. maybe five years or so. So I, I never even knew him, but, but yeah, so I, I mean, I just a couple generations removed from fluent speakers, but I mean, I remember yeah. here and here and there in the community, but like Taylor said, you know, I was a kid and I was outside running around, get that energy out kind of kid, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the gravity of it doesn't really sink in that young as a kid too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I know like I have, you know, Christmas VHSs of me as a kid opening presents. So do you guys have recordings or any kind of like, you know, old eighties, nineties camcorder stuff of your grandparents speaking Pawnee or other people in the tribe? We have, um, Recordings. We have like uh, cassette tapes. Okay. Old reel to reels. Yeah. So we do, we, we do have like uh, them talk about what we don't really have is, um, I guess, uh, conversing, you know, normal conversation one on one. We have like word list or just a random phrase kind of in the background. But um, I guess at the time they did the, the practice wasn't to have normal conversations in the language and record them, it was more wordless, I guess. Zach, you want to add to that? Yeah, I guess I'll add on to that. Yeah. Like Taylor said, the like elicited forms, I guess, like mm-hmm. how linguists do the uh, mm-hmm. it's a good old scientific method for you, right? You want to control all the variables and conversations yeah. messy. And so, yeah, it, it wasn't the norm back then to record that kind of stuff. So unfortunately, yeah, we don't have a lot of that, but I mean, we do, we do have a ton of, audio recordings like taylor taylor mentioned though is there i'm you know, oh, oh, sorry yeah so growing up my my up it well a pit a pit it right that's my grandfather that's what you guys have taught me a deep yeah because i because i that's something you guys mentioned in class that everyone just says up it and it's like that's mm-hmm. not necessarily correct a deep it he died when i was little so i never I don't have many memories of him or remember his voice, but I remember driving back from Pawnee that same trip and my uh, cousin Phil put in the uh, Pawnee Blue Book CDs for Skeedy. And then that first speaker is Phil Gover. And that was the first time I heard my uh, Atipit's voice in over two decades. Mm-hmm. So those things are, are pretty, I mean, they have a lot of, my understanding is they have some pretty old folks in there. Back what, those were recorded back in the 80s? Like in the seventies, I think. Yeah. If I'm if I'm right, yeah, but there's a lot of uh, first language speakers on that. Again, they they're they're talking somewhat formal, I guess. So again, it gets back to that. I wish we had a normal conversation. What can be dropped? What can't be dropped? You know, like uh, uh, I don't want to say slang, Pawnee, but you know how like in English English we don't have to say. We don't have to pronounce every word because we know the language. We could cut words off. We could, mm-hmm. yeah. I wish we had that in Pawnee, but it, we have very few items like that. So, are there ways in which? Because this is just so fascinating to me. Because I mean, obviously, it's like sad that these languages are going away, but like we are able to reconstruct them with some ways. So like, do you guys have root words that, you know, like mean X, Y, and Z that you can then try and like go through one of those old recordings and understand it? Or is it a little more difficult without the conversation? Go for it, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of related to a lot of the research I did for my master's work. So 
um, just like what we're talking about here, like uh, when you have a sleeping language, you're only as good as uh, the documentation, I guess you could put it like that, mm -hmm. um, whether that's audio, whether that's written video, you know, but I don't know what that video would look like for Pawnee way back, you know, but um, yeah. So yeah, we have, we have quite a bit of uh, documentation, a lot of good documentation. Dr. Parks, Douglas Park, he was a really good linguist. Dr. Jean Weltfish going all the way back to the early 1900s. She was a really good linguist and we heard a lot of good things actually about her through Tom Evans and through his folks, they remembered her and what Tom uh, relate to us was that, you know, she was a really, really good speaker for a, a Chodak Saka woman. They said, you know, for a, a non-Pawnee, a, a, a white woman, you know, she, mm -hmm. she knew what she uh, was saying and she could understand well. So that kind of gets to my research. We have a related language in Pawnee. It's uh, known as a Rickeraw. They're up there in the North Dakota area. And so uh, as a kid, right, kind of going back to history, me, me being a history nerd, and uh, loving to hear stories. I used to always ask my dad about different things. Hey, what did your dad used to tell you? And so some of the stories he would relate to me would be about the the Pawnees and their Rickeraws. So I always knew we had this related tribe to us that was no longer around us. And then um, kind of more recent, around this maybe last, what, 10 years or so, people started using related languages to reconstruct languages that had no no more speakers and in those people's instance uh, instances you know their languages hadn't been spoken for hundreds of years you know here here's ours that only hasn't been spoken for maybe a, a decade or so mm -hmm. and so i knew it could work and uh that got me into my research and basically using the comparative method which a, which is a historical linguistics type of thing that linguists use to generally or traditionally i guess i could say either to make genetic relationships between languages or to make like reconstructed proto forms between these related languages. So what I wanted to do was not to establish a relationship that we already knew existed, but to use that method and use it for more practical purposes. So basically um, words that we don't have in Pawnee, Taylor and I are, are not first language speakers. And I, I really don't like making words up, I guess, you know, because mm -hmm. is that my authority to even do that? I'm, I'm not a first language speaker, but we have this method. We have this uh, comparative method that we could kind of flip around for practical purposes. And we could take words from a Rickeraw that were documented in a Rickeraw that we don't have in either dialect of Pawnee, and we can re reconstruct a form, a really accurate form, that would be um, for Skeedy and the South Bend Pawnee hmm. dialects. And so that's kind of what I did with my, my research. And the most proud, I guess I'll say, of my own work, of my own word that I proposed was based off a, a, an Arikara word for moose. And it makes a lot of sense that Pawnees don't have a word for moose because they just weren't in our geographic area. We weren't mm. far enough, you know, north or east. And so the Arikaras had this word. And um, what I did was I could, I could see the Arikara word right in the documentation. And um, there's some hints there, some clues left behind. 
and Pawnee's this polysynthetic languages, uh, polysynthetic language that, you know, meaning that words are made up of uh, multiple parts, I guess, multiple meaningful parts. Mm-hmm. And there's these hints left behind in a Rickroll, and I could break that word down and basically reconstruct a word for Pawnee. And so, Dad, do you remember how they said that in a Rickroll for moose? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. We'll see if my Rickroll is great. I had wrote it down. Waste Hwadu. Yeah. Yeah. Waste okay. Something like that. And so based on that, a Rickroll word. Now this, this will sound nothing like a Rickroll, even though it's a really closely related language. But our Pawnee word for that is Bachusadu. And so what we had to do to to even propose that word, we had to establish sound correspondences between the languages. And then we had to do like a morphophonological analysis of these languages. So these meaningful parts and kind of where sounds meet, I guess, where, where sounds change. After doing that type of analysis, that's how we yeah. go from Weishadu to Pachusadu. And both of those words are made in uh, made up of the meaningful parts. It'd be pa in in uh, Pawnee for elk. Um, chus is your nose in Pawnee, and then adu uh, means soft. So literally, that work uh, that Rickroll word meant a soft nosed elk. Huh. And so, yo, that is really cool. That's awesome. Like yeah. thesis to do there. I love etymology, and I've I've been really excited with the past couple language classes you guys had. We're really breaking down the words, and it's just been absolutely fantastic. Before uh, before we end, can I ask how related are Arikara and Pawnee? Is it like Spanish and Italian, or is it like kind of more distant than that? That's that's a really good question. So, from my understanding, oh, so Pawnee and Arikara are the most related, closely related languages between our. Dang, I'm going to throw another term out there for you. Northern Kadoan languages. Okay. So the Northern Kadoan languages are Pawnee, they're Arikara, they're Kichi or Kichai. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, and then uh, Wichita. So Arikara and Pawnee are the most closely related. At one time, it, it had to have been the same language. Hmm. We've seen in documentation that, uh, I guess, they, I don't know if they'd be traders or, or who, like fur traders which is kind of odd though, because a lot of times they weren't literate. So maybe they're missionaries. That would make more sense. Um, you see records of like the Arikara people speaking two dialects of Arikara. And mm-hmm. one of those dialects of Arikara is more closely related to Pawnee. And so I think I've seen in Dr. Parks's work that he's, he's mentioned that now they're mutually unintelligible languages. And that's because Arikara has quite a few more sound changes going on than Pawnee, but under underlyingly underneath, if you could look at the grammar and kind of not get too focused on what your, your eyes and your ears are telling you, mm-hmm. then you could actually see that it's, it's practically the same language and Eric girl just has different sounds basically. That is so cool. Wow. We should probably end the segment there, but that's so cool, man. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be right back for uh, segment three of episode 89 stay tuned and welcome back to segment three remember this is a special episode so we'll have four segments so this isn't the last one how long did it take you guys to get your master's in linguistic anthropology starting with uh taylor let's see we had 2014 is that when we started zach 
Yeah, fall. And then we graduated in the summer of 2016. Yeah, so two years and a semester. Yeah. Gotcha. And then so, Zach, what was the game plan? You get your master's in linguistic anth, and what, what, what were your plans after getting that degree? So... That kind of takes us back almost to, what, 2013 or so? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to say the same thing. We had mentioned before to our our, uh, our tribe that uh, Taylor and I were going to do this. We are going to go to this Breath of Life conference. We were thinking about going to get our master's. That would give the tribe about three years to start planning, getting something together, getting some something ready as in a language program. And so that was the plan. Um, we, we ended up graduating and... There was no language program. <laughs> I mean, to, to put it bluntly, I guess, there, w- there was no language program. There was a lot of turnover on the council. And so those those plans kind of fell through. We graduated. I think, Taylor, you were still working at Oto, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, had, I was working there contract work. So, yeah. Yeah. And then so right after, I can't remember if it's right after graduation or a little bit after actually started working for our, our relatives, the, uh, the Wichita tribe to help them with an kind of a archive project. And so that, that's kind of what we did is, uh, I had these skills now that weren't being put to use for my language. And so we have this, the Pawnees have this relationship with the Wichita and Hey, I had the skills to help them out. So that's, that's what I did. And then Taylor was over there working for the Otos. And then uh, I think we ended up writing a grant or something, right, Daddy? Yeah, like a mini and grant. A small grant. It wasn't very big. Maybe maybe $40,000, maybe thirty five, somewhere around there. We got this grant, and we started up having language classes, community classes with this grant. And that was, do you remember, Tay? That was the fall of 2016. Okay. Yeah, because we, we finished in the summer. We had gotten that grant. We were able to create curriculum, just like a, any any native language. You can't just go to the store and buy Pawnee language book one, two, three, whatever. You have to create that. To create that, we don't have no fluent speakers. We don't have no language one speakers. So there's a lot of research Zach and I had to do. And then we were able to begin classes, community classes that fall. So we we like to follow like a I don't want to say like a like a school year. So we have like little semesters. We have like we start in the fall, in before Christmas, take a little break, start back up in January, go until May, have the summer off. Got you. How many? Uh, what was the reception? You know, when you guys come back with these degrees, like what was the reception by the the Pawnee populace? And that could you know. What did council say, and like, what did what did the regular regular Pawnees have to say about it? Well, I will say that for the most part, it was positive. For the council, it just seems like they still see Zach and I even today as as children, as kids, because most of them have seen Zach and I grow up. Not realizing, not realizing we're in our thirties now, but they're like, "Oh, those those boys," you know. And the, the feeling I got was like. Just cute. These two guys are trying to, these two boys are trying to save our language, you know, rather than like see us as um, people with master's degrees. (laughs) So, but, but from the, from the, from the public, everybody seemed um, to be excited for us, to be excited that we were 
going to be teaching the language. But I will put that, put it this way. We're, we're, right now, we're not a language program. We're not a. Um, it's just always just been me and Zach. Just two guys working for other tribes, but in our free time, working on the Pawnee language. So, Zach, you want to add add to that? Yeah, I guess the other thing, yeah, is yeah, the the general populace were excited, um, and I think we saw that excitement, that interest level in our language <clears throat> in our very first uh, class. I think Taylor and I, you know, we might have been expecting. I think we said maybe 20 tops daddy will come you know probably 20 tops based on uh this off of uh previous previous language uh, attempts maybe 20 we'll print off 25 we'll print off 25 just in case just in case our numbers aren't right and we have a few extra people what we were really expecting is probably maybe you know 10 to 15 people show up our very first class man like 75 to 80 people show up we're at our uh our uh, museum there in Pawnee unprepared because i mean we we <laughs> we we uh we did not prepare for that many people to come i don't even think we had that many seats right too <laughs> yeah we ever we had to we had to go up to the top floor and grab chairs and bring them back down i like these these people they must be here for something else <laughs> it must be some kind of free food event or something <laughs> But yeah, we, we had about 75 that, and then that post, I mean, it dropped off a little bit, which is natural, but we still had about 45 that first year, probably, mm-hmm. which is a really good number, way more than what Zach and I was expecting. And uh, that's the kind of, the, what we was talking about, Zach and I, the, the interest there from our community was was great. They supported us. They Anything we wanted, they let us know, hey, anything we could do. So we asked for um, if you guys have any cassette tapes, old recordings of your family. Um, we will digitize it for free, give it back to you, keep the originals, however you want to do it. So we got a lot of uh, people donating a lot of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. And so did you guys end up working for the Pawnee Nation College at all, like teaching language? Or is this strictly just kind of this volunteer basis stuff that you guys were doing on your own? Yeah, we, we I don't know what year that was that they well they had a they had a language teacher there and then I don't know what happened. So they weren't they weren't teaching Pawnee for a few semesters. And uh my sister-in-law had, had was working there at the time and she asked if I was interested and at the time I think I had uh, put my I'd quit the Oto job just cuz we had a lot of stuff coming up Zach and I. So I was like, yeah, we have time to do this now. So Zach and I would be, I don't want to say the peak of our language learning, but <laughs> the, the, we got really good at it. But we had um, they, we had like five or six classes. We had the community class. We had the elder class, which was terrifying. <laughs> we had the, uh, the college class. And then we had like a, eventually had like a Pawnee 2 class. So that's how we got started with the Pawnee College. And it felt good to to give back because Zach and I had both graduated from there. Yeah. Oh, and all the time. Uh, where was we living? I think I was living in Norman at the time. I think we where both were. Living? Yeah. Yeah. Because we only worked Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> it was great. But then, yeah. tax, then tax time hit and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. So Norman's oh. about, what, hour and a half, two-hour drive to Pawnee, I think? Yeah, probably about a two-hour. Yeah. So you guys did that six times over the course of the week, driving from Norman to Pawnee and back. 
Oh, we, we would stay in Pawnee for, oh, okay, gotcha. for like Tuesday and Wednesday and go hunt or, you know, do, do that outside stuff, <laughs> Zach and I, throughout those days. And then we would go back home. Yeah. Something that I've always been curious about, like when it comes to your guys' studies, are you guys more focused on learning kind of like the grammar and the structure of sentences or are there parts of the language that you're kind of gravitated towards? Like I know, and this is just, I got a text from my, uh, my cousin Dave the other day asking about star knowledge and like the words related to star knowledge. And so do you guys have any of those kind of interests, like specific like subsets of our language that belong to a particular part of our culture or are you guys more primarily concerned with just getting the, the structure grammar and etymology down? I guess more of a personal interest. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the, you know, astronomical stuff as well. Actually, all of it. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm a, I'm a big old nerd, man. So anything you got, throw it at me. Like astronomical stuff. So Pawnees were, were known for that type of knowledge. So I love looking into that. I love looking to our uh, month names. You know, it has to do with a lot of um, just environmental type stuff. Would have been back in Nebraska, whether that's like, migratory birds that we named, you know, months after or when we would plant our food or our crops back then. So that stuff's always interesting to me. Um, the etymology of words, of course, is always interesting to me. On my own personal time, I love I love looking at, um, I love comparing our, our Pawnee language to, to Arikara, to, um, to Wichita as well. I mentioned I worked there too. So when I worked on, a, on Wichita, I loved, I loved it because you know, you could tell they're related with a lot of their sounds. But again, going back to that grammar underneath, you, you could tell the way our people thought was very similar. And you see that reflected in the grammar, I guess you could say. Hmm. And what about you, Taylor? Yeah, just like Zach said, I, I, there's not one thing I look at more than the other. It's kind of just there's a lot of. A lot of settings, a lot of uh, topics to, to research, I guess. So we can't just we can't just focus on one and leave out the other one. So we had like a whole we hadn't done stars for a while, and then someone had mentioned that when we were still doing this was pre pandemic when we were doing uh, in person classes, and someone had mentioned it. So Zach and I really got to study that star map, star our star chart, and then we had a whole lesson ready. I think we just got to introduce it and then we took a break and then we never got to come back for because of the pandemic. But uh, at the time, Zach was working for the the museum here in the city. So it kind of related to his work at the time. So, yeah. So in, any of it. Gotcha. Uh, has there been like any like rewarding situations that like are memorable situations that have come out of this that you remember or, you know, like trying to teach this stuff or learn this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me personally, man, it, yeah, it, it's great. Especially as a teacher, I never wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> that makes sense. But when me and Zach started doing these classes, and I enjoy it now. I, I really enjoy it. And there's a moment where your pony, your pony students or whatever, they it clicks in their in their mind. You can kind of see that, and they start kind of putting things together. Well, Zach and I like to do we don't like to teach um grammar we don't like to sit there and this is you know we don't like to do all that we like to naturally 
trying to show them patterns and then they kind of figure out themselves, usually ask us questions. But then um, with the elder class, that was that was great, too, because although it was terrifying at the very first one, because they, they they were quick to jump on me and Zach for little words, you know, mm. the word common word for salt or pepper or something. They were ready. As soon as we said it, they're ready. To, no, I didn't hear it that way. You know, and it's just, mm. just a variant of, of the same word. But then the more we went on, the more we could see it unlock stuff in their head. So when we first started, they had no idea what we we're talking about. Towards the end, they were like, um, I remember my grandma would say that or it, it would remind it. It would almost unlock things. I even seen that with my own grandma mm-hmm. before she passed out. I, I would go down there. We go down to the, I always call her Uka. I can't, I can't get that, say that Atika, the my grandma. So she's always going to be Uka. Anyways, I would always go down there and see her. And I uh, used to just speak English and I started slowly like um, trying to converse with her in Pawnee. And um, it almost seemed to click with her as well as stuff Mm -hmm. that was becoming unlocking in her mind. So that's what's been rewarding for me. And just to hear people, especially the Zoom class. The, the Zoom class with, to to meet a lot of uh, Pawnees that don't live around Pawnee and to hear them using the language, to ask questions about the language. The interest level there is, is kind of what uh, is rewarding to me. So I don't know. Is that you yeah, I'd, I'll jump on that too. Yeah, I'd say the same thing, that interest level. You know, it's it's uh, been extraordinary. Uh, when we were having these classes in person, you know, what, what really made me feel good was that, man, we had people coming all the way from Apache, Oklahoma, all the way up to Pawnee, Oklahoma. And that's a, I don't even know how far drive that is, you know, over three hours probably. We're all the way from Tahlequah, Oklahoma to, to, to Pawnee just to learn from two, two dudes, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're just, we're just two guys, but yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of re- rewarding moments like that. That's so cool guys. And like, yeah, you're reviving like an almost extinct language, but like doing it over zoom too. It's like kind of a weird thing, but neat, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Congrats. That's like really cool stuff. Like I, yeah, just growing up, I guess here out East where I'm from, like we didn't really learn there's Iroquoian languages. You got words for different towns and stuff like that, but you never hear like an indigenous language like spoken. So it's just cool to talk with people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all it's all re, it's all rewarding to Zach and I, like uh, be able to to study our language to kind of get into the thought of old Pawnees, I guess. But <laughs> to say it out loud sounds funny. I, I will mention that when we started our our master's program at OU, we was in our first class, and again, it was intimidating to me. I don't know if Zach, you felt the same way or you were used to it, but uh, I remember in that first social cultural theory class, they they had went around the room and you got to introduce yourself, what you're, what, what you're studying. And so we were in there with all kinds of, not, not just our cohort, like other, other people. And they were doing groundbreaking research. <laughs> and like I remember Justin, I don't know if he listens to this, maybe he does, but he was doing like microbiome research. They were doing like, I don't know, just, really type of that kind of research, groundbreaking research. And then it got to me and Zach at the end of the table. And it was like, all right, your turn. My name's Taylor. I'm Pawnee and I'm studying the Pawnee language. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and Zach said the same thing right uh, after me. So it was, 
Yeah. But we enjoy it. <laughs> and yeah. then I, I remember our, our people in class afterwards like, no, that's interesting. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's interesting to like me and Zach, but it's not interesting like you guys are doing groundbreaking research. So Yeah. But I think out of, you know, it's probably one of the most necessary kinds of research. These the waking up of, of indigenous languages, like we're seeing, and I don't know if you guys uh, agree with that, but we're seeing a lot of it, right? Like across mm-hmm. the board, like a lot of um, young indigenous folks like ourselves are getting in the language of awakening. So we're kind of seeing that whole in 2020, like a bunch of people starting to, to do this work. Cause I know, um, like some of my chats with Matt Reed, I know they try to do like language uh, work back in the eighties, but there's just so much arguing. Like you guys mm-hmm. were talking about like some of the old, old folks talking about, well, that's not how I heard salt being used. But back in the eighties, there was a lot more first language speakers and there was a lot of more argument over who had the right Pawnee than, uh, than that. So I don't know. I really appreciate your work. I love the classes when I go to them. You guys make them. I've always hated learning languages, Spanish, Russian, German, hated it. But this stuff that you guys do with the Zoom meetings has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That That's we were nervous about it. We never done that kind of Zoom and we didn't know how it would work. So we're in our first semester of it. But yeah. uh, the, the people that I've talked to seem they seem to like it. I, I always ask them, like, do I need to be more serious? Because me and Zach joke around a lot with everybody. So, so, but they said they like it. So we'll continue to. Especially at the beginning when you guys were just trying to show the language and having like different words that were similar and talking about giving people Indian names like Meat Wolf. I just can't get Meat Wolf (laughs) out of my head. (laughs) It was funny because the the stuff that you you can Google and I just typed in, I wonder what Meat Wolf is in it. Some kind of four-year-old's drawing showed up. <laughs> so our, our friend Russell, who helps us now, that's that's his Indian name. He doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't claim that one. So. And then he does his podcast, and then we always call it. When you invite us to the to the meat meat wolf lounge. <laughs> Excellent. With that, we'll be right back um, with episode eighty nine. We got a, a fourth segment coming up right for you, so uh, stay tuned. And welcome back with episode 89. We still got uh, Taylor Moore and Zach Rice with us. To talk about the uh, Pawnee language re- reawakening episode here. So kind of something that I've been, I've been curious about personally is what sort of pushback, if any, have you seen either from the Pawnee community or even just scholastically? Because you guys did go from, or at least you did, Zach, from uh, indigenous studies to, to anthropology. So have you guys seen any of that? And I guess we'll start that off with uh, with Zach. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Carlton. Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll say that moving from NAS to I'll just say anthropology in general. You know, that was it was different, and not to put anybody on blast or anything like that. Because uh, I know when I first wanted to go to anthropology, right for Ling Anthro to to acquire these skills for my community, I know. Uh, a lot of my advisors, my mentors, and not to say this is pushback, but they, they kind of like uh, warned me, I guess you could say, like, I mean, you know that Indian people and anthropologists have not had a good relationship historically. And in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. that goes up to today, whether that's um, linguists coming into the community, making a name off of, you know, your community doing all this language work and never giving back to the community. 
or that's, you know, in other cases where they do things uh, a lot worse than that, you know. So there was that that warning for me, I would say, moving from NAS to Anthro. And I, I appreciate it, honestly. You know, they, they were trying to look out for my best interest. And uh, they did that another time while I was at OU. And I didn't listen that time. And it was a history class. And I could say that was the worst class I've ever taken by far. Hmm. But in this instance, it ended up working out for me. So they, they warned me about it. And I think the discussion I had with them at the time was that, you know, well, our, our Indian people... You know, the law, the law hasn't treated treated us very well um, historically and even presently. But we have all these Indian lawyers that went on to become lawyers. And so I just told my mentor, you know, that's that's the way I see it, is that, uh, you know, I'm thankful for all these lawyers for securing our rights and our indigenous rights. But I think our, our cultures and our, our languages have been neglected in many instances and that's my goal is to go into lingu- linguistic anthropology to do that, to acquire those skills mm-hmm. and that, that particular set of knowledge to help my community out. I've, I've used that same thing. People ask me all the time, like, why'd you go into anthro? Like, anthro has done such bad things for indigenous communities. And I'm like, dude, so's the law. Same, same thing. Like, but we have indigenous lawyers, you know, you can use the master's tools for your own benefit, right? Like kind of that saying. So, I mean, I know like being an anthropologist all the way through, I know exactly the kind of harm that's been done, but through anthropology, since like the, since NAGPRA, we've seen this, this rise of indigenous archeology span where it's being decolonized and used for the benefit of indigenous peoples for, by, and with indigenous peoples. And that's kind of like what I'm in and which is way more, like indigenous archaeology is way more prevalent in the Southwest with like the Diné and the Pueblos. Like that's where we see most of it. And it hasn't really come out to the plains yet or even the Southeast. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the people that I hear that from are, are usually Oklahoma natives or natives that are were relocated to Oklahoma. So they're just not around it, but nah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my argument that, and I mean, educations did a lot of harm to Indian people, but, we all got educated. Like you said, get the master's tools and beat them at their own game. So that was that was my plan. That's like the one thing my family has, we're either educators or lawyers. Like that's and I never saw myself as being either. And then I become start teaching anthropology courses and I just go on rants about indigenous <laughs> knowledge and like flipping the syllabi. Like, no, we're gonna talk about this, that, and the other thing. So yeah. What about uh what about you, Taylor? What sort of you know, quote unquote, pushback, pushback, have you seen from pursuing this kind of, of education? Um, I haven't, me really haven't had nothing like, uh, like Zach had. I was coming from Northeastern State. So like Zach was from going from OU undergrad to OU graduate student. I was coming from a completely different one. So I didn't really have no only one was talking me out of it was me in the mirror. <laughs> like, don't do it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. But no, other than that, I, I was always had a people from the community were really supportive, kind of what Zach and I were doing, but um, going to school anyways. So yeah, gotcha. And what about just beyond uh, the education? What about within your communities? Have you seen any pushback going off with you, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. I will say that there are those that that um we have come across they'll they'll quick to jump at us you know like uh, you're not saying that right or they'll kind of talk 
bad about us behind our back, talk bad, talk kind of talk down to our students, saying that all oh, that's just book learning, Pawnee. That ain't real Pawnee, you know. And it, it's it's sad that those attitudes are out there, and that um, it's it's almost funny because we have people that you're not saying that right yet. We have recordings and stuff to back us up. Sometimes it's their own relatives. Sometimes it's their own grandparents, you know, their, their mom, their dad, their aunts, whatever, saying the word we're, we're teaching, yet they're, people are like, oh, that's wrong, but yeah, that's your family. You're calling your own, your own family wrong. So th- those kind of, those kind of instances that we don't come back at them with that, but as soon as they leave, me and Zach are talking about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. But, uh, yeah, so those are the kind of the pushbacks that, that I have seen, you know, and it, it's – I wish they didn't have to learn from us. I wish they didn't have to learn at the time we were 20, you know, in our 20s. Mm-hmm. I wish they didn't have to. I wish me and Zach could have learned from first language speakers, you know, and that generation that was kind of bad-mouthing us or our students, they had that chance. You know, when they were our age, they had first language speakers, but they but they didn't do it. So I don't know. I don't know. They, they get mad at us for wanting to pick it up when we just don't want it to go extinct, I guess. Is that you want to add to that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll add on to that. So, um, yeah, with the recording thing, that that's always funny. You know, that's I think uh, one time I think someone told us, I've never heard that. I've never heard that. And uh, they were related to this particular person on the recording. And I, I played it for them, let them hear it for themselves. And then they were kind of taken aback. And I wasn't doing it to be mean, but after, as an individual, after so much, you could only take so much, I guess. And so I just, I just let them listen to it. And it, it kind of took them aback a little bit and they, they, they chilled out, you know, they, they had an emotional reaction to it, which, uh, and my thinking, stepping back from the situation, you know, trying to step back from that individual level is, hey, man, we're, we're dealing with the effects of settler colonialism here. And it is an emotional thing. So what what Taylor, what Taylor was saying, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people on an individual le- level are saying these things, but that, that isn't coming from just nowhere. You know, there, there's a reason why why people why we're teaching the language, right? As 20 and 30 year olds and why we're teaching older people, our elders. So I, I always tried to remember that, you know? So on the, on the individual level, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating, but step back and reevaluate. And that's, that's the way some people meant it to be. Mm-hmm. So we're just always uh, fighting against that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'll add to it. Gotcha. And so ending, ending this segment on, on a, on a more positive note, not that what you guys would said was negative at all. Well, actually, even before that, I mean, something that personally bothers me is that you guys work practically for free, reawakening our language and doing all this, all this work on your own, but then other nations employ you guys like full time to work on their language. So do you guys feel overwhelmed at times doing so much, not only working for other nations who are paying you, but then also doing a lot of this 
other work for the Pawnee on the side. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on that one. You know, I, I'm, I'm the language director over there at the Otoma Zuria tribe. I've been there. I've been the director since 2018, but I've been working for them since 2013. And then I think around like 2016 to 2018, I, I had quit just to work on Pawnee stuff. But I, I, I do sometimes feel overwhelmed. Uh, but on the Oto side, I got a great staff. I have a staff of five full-time, seven altogether with my with my contract workers. And um, so they kind of make it easy on me. But still, yeah, I, I have to – I'm working on their language I love working on their language. I hate doing the paperwork, the administrative side. And that's all I've been doing for these past two months, trying to get budgets and grants. And so it, anyway, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but then, and then, um, then having to come back and make sure we have our lesson ready, make sure Zach and I know what we're talking about in our, in our Zoom lessons, our Pawnee classes. And then in the spring, we'll be offering um, – I don't know if Zach's going to make it, but I will be offering another Pawnee class at the college. So, so my next year is going to look real busy. It's going to be Monday, the college Pawnee class. Tuesday, our Pawnee community class. Wednesdays, our Oto community class. And then Thursdays, back to the college to finish up that week. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how, we'll see how that gets handled, but. I, I love it. I don't. I don't see myself doing any other kind of work rather than Good. the language. I, I. I can't. And even. Even we get frustrated about the tribe, and I always tell us that. I said I can't become a sixty-year-old man looking in the mirror and be like, "You didn't even try. You didn't even try with your language. You know, you just gave up because it was other people." So that's kind of my motiv- motivation. So go ahead, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. So. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, at times, like Taylor said, it gets, it's a lot, it's a lot to do working on our language, Pawnee, that is, uh, working on a contractual basis, right, to teach these classes. So I've, uh, I've had different jobs, you know, over these past, however many years. So before I, I'm do before working for the Shine and Arapaho Tribes Language Program, I was working for the First Americans Museum to help with some of their efforts to get language involved in their museum. But now, yeah, as, as an employee of the Shine Arapaho tribes, while sometimes it is a lot, the, the other part of me, you know, I enjoy it because I get to see, you know, what they're doing over here and what we could be doing for our people back home. So I, I get to, I'm thankful, I guess, for the opportunity to, to always be learning and to be in, in that type of environment that uh, challenges me because I'm not a speaker of Cheyenne or Arapaho, you know, um, their grammar works a lot different, you know? So I, I'm, I'm thankful though, as a, on an individual level and a professional level, I guess, to be challenged in that way. So I could always be learning something new. So hopefully when the time comes, in Pawnee for us to have that full-time language program. I'll be bringing a little more to the table, hopefully at that time. Excellent. You get teased a lot by Cheyenne and Rappahoe. Oh, all the time, all the time. <laughs> so for, for y'all listeners out there, uh, the Pawnees and the Cheyennes and the Arapahoes are historic enemy tribes. 
And so the reason I'm working over here, I actually live over here in Cheyenne, Arapaho country, but my, my partner, she's Cheyenne and Arapaho. So uh, I live over here with, with her people. And I just started working for her people maybe a couple months ago, helping out with their, their language program. But yeah, it's all in good fun. You know, I, I, I get my jabs in there too. <laughs> well, yeah. whenever Zach and I, we I used to live with Zach and Brianna, his his uh, partner there, and we used to team up on her. We we tease her because she was outnumbered by the Pawnees. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I think the first time I met one of uh, Brianna's uh, grandmas, she said, "Hey, grandma, this is my my partner here, and his name's Zach, and so and so, and oh, what tribe is he?" She said, "Well, he's Pawnee," and she got real quiet there for a second. And it seemed like forever, you know, first time meeting this lady. And she said, well, you know, Pawnees and Cheyennes don't get along, right? And that's all she said. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I just started laughing. But she really likes me now, so. <laughs> Man, I had an internship for IHS, and my supervisors were Ogallala and Northern Arapaho, and they would just give it to me all the time. <laughs> but excellent. So now, now to end this on a positive note, starting with you again, Taylor, what do you imagine or hope for for the future of the Pawnee language? Well, like Zach said, you know, we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of uh, experience now. So, I mean, the, the first one would be getting a language program, a full-time language program. Our overall goal is to be able to work our way out of a job. That makes sense. <laughs> that we do such a great job that we can hear our language in everyday use again that we don't have to teach anymore. We don't have to do this and we can retire or whatever, go, go to the council and embezzle. That's what I see is be able to be here, hear my kids and grandkids, whatever, speak in our language and, yeah. and here in our, our, our community, you know, not just even now, even our classes, we were able to create, um, some more phrases, some more phrases that had kind of been lost or kind of dwindling. We, we're hearing them back again. And I don't want to say that's thanks to me and Zach, but that's a, more of a thanks to our um, our class, our students, taking it upon themselves to um, speak the language when they can. And we try to tell them, you know, even if you have to, well, what is that called? Code switching, like, you know, going back and forth between Pawnee and English, that's fine. Just try to use it. And it's, we're getting there. We're getting there, and I hope that uh, we get there. We don't have to work anymore. So go ahead. Good, and I think what you guys are doing is really cool stuff. Like I, like Carlton said, he's a nerd for etymology too. Like I find that stuff interesting, and then just going through and like revitalizing a a dying and dead language in a lot of ways is like I don't know. It's admirable. Really cool. So great work. Good luck. You know. <laughs> And what about you, Zach? Uh, oh, for me, um, yeah, like Taylor said, I think the goal is to work ourselves out of a job. And man, I'd love to just fish, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to just be out in the woods around the pond fishing. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, like I said, I work over here at the Shine Arapaho tribes. And what, Taylor, at Oto, you have a staff of seven or so? Mm -hmm. I mean, here, man, I get to work with these awesome people all the time. And I think we're like a staff of like 22 or something, you know, and with their language, languages, I should say, Cheyenne and Arapaho, two separate languages, two separate cultures, one distinct political body, I guess you could say, one nation. 
so I get to see the wonderful things they're doing and all the work they're putting in. I, you know, I'd love to bring that type of mentor apprentice program to Pawnee, you know, to help us get to where Taylor was talking about where, you know, our, our, our folks are, are talking Pawnee and we're not needed anymore. Good stuff. Well, if you guys ever want to do some fly fishing out in the Colorado Rockies, you always have a place to stay and I'll take you to some spots out here. Nice. Nice. It's funny. I will say this. uh, I have a Dene family and they came out and they're like, when are you going to learn? First they said, are you the linguist? And I was like, yeah. When are you going to learn Navajo? And I was like, well, let me, let me work on Pawnee and Oto because combined we have, five maybe speakers or whereas Danae has a hundred and thousand. So maybe that will be my goal after we do Pawnee is to learn Navajo. So nice. <laughs> we'll see. Well, good stuff, fellas. Well, so before we end the show, Zach and Taylor, what are a couple of sources? These could be books, articles, videos, or whatever that you would recommend for anyone interested in not only the Pawnee language, but in um, uh, lang- indigenous language reawakening. Let me go Taylor. First. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. Um, well, there's a couple, and Zach and I had put a list together, but we didn't combine our list. So, so whatever I'm leaving out, Zach, you add I got on you. to I got you. The first one, the, the one that when we went to that conference in 2013, they showed this documentary called uh, We Still Live Here. And it's a uh, Jessie Little Doe. And she, uh, what is that, Wampanoag? Wampanoag, I think. Yeah, yeah she, um, yeah, it's just a great documentary. It's an inspiring one. I recommend that one if you don't want to read and you want to watch something, go for that one. But going back to um, reading, there's one by Leanne Hinton. So it's funny how, how Zach and I, we would be reading about these people and to actually see them and meet them. Oh, those were our rock stars, I guess, in our field. But Leanne Hinton is definitely one. She has one called Bring Our, our Languages Home, Language Revitalization for Families, and she also has the Green Book of Language Revitalization in Practice. And then Zach has quite a bit more, I think. Yeah, I got a few more. Um, if anyone listen, listening is some language nerds like me. So first one, uh, I think it's called The Languages of Native North America by Marianne Methune. It's kind of basically just an introduction to all the languages of Native North America couple more here. Volume 17, Handbook of North American Indians, edited by Ives Goddard. So a lot of good info about native languages in general. Again, volume 13, parts one and two of a handbook of North American Indians, edited by Raymond Damali and Douglas Parks. So it's kind of more about the plains, not just language, but culture, history, archaeology, a little bit of everything. That's a good one. And there you could start learning a little bit more about Kadoan languages if you want to. Um, I guess for anyone that's more interested kind of in uh, just scientific knowledge for scientific knowledge's sake, um, good one is When Languages Die by K. David Harrison. K. David Harrison, When Languages Die. And then finally, I guess the last one I'd mention is maybe any of our relatives out there doing language revitalization work. I'd say uh, The Language Warriors Manifesto by Anton Troyer. I think he's Ojibwe. That's kind of, that's a must read, I would say. Um, I know it gave me a, that little recharge that I needed, man, especially after all this pandemic mess going on. 
Well, good stuff. And we will have those in the show notes and the episode description wherever you are listening to this podcast. Where could our listeners either find you guys on social media or find more about your, you know, your classes or whatnot? So <laughs> me and Zach are, are pretty much <laughs> We don't have uh, all of Zach. Do you have Instagram? I don't have any. I don't have any. I don't have Twitter. I don't. Well, but we are on Facebook. <laughs> so okay. if you go on, uh, you can find me and Zach or our classes is Body Baguru. It's just, uh, that's how we say the Pawnee language in our language. Yeah. <laughs> but that's our, our page. There's two of them. There's one of the page. We'll just leave that one. The other one's for our class only, but um, that's yeah. a well, either way to reach out to to me. Zach, I don't know if you had to add anything yeah. to that. Just Facebook, man. That's all I got. If y'all want to hit me up on MySpace, no, no, no. My Yahoo, my Yahoo chat name is uh, <laughs> yeah, but Facebook and then Body uh, Pakudu is spelled at P A R I, and that's P A K U R U, right, Daddy? P-A-K-U-R-U, yeah. Yeah, so that's how you would spell that. Cool. Well, uh, Connor's not here to ask this question, so I will try to ask it more succinctly than he does. If you... Oh, no, I see why he does it. I see why this is up. Let's see. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Zach and Taylor. If given the chance again, would you still choose to live a life in, I guess, linguistics? Yes, I will. definitely. Def- I don't see myself yeah. doing anything else. Then language cool. work. Yeah, for sure, man. Same way. I don't see myself doing anything else. Uh, love what I nice. do. I respect that. And you guys are clearly passionate about it too. So that that's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's it. Carlton? Yeah, so we just interviewed Zach Rice and Taylor Moore. You can find them on Facebook at uh, Pari Pakuru. Yeah, so all that, all their contact info will be in the episode description itself. If you guys could please rate and review the podcast, especially on iTunes. If you could go on the Apple, whatever the podcast thing is, and just give it, you could just say, well, this was the worst podcast I ever heard. We've gotten that one before. You can just say that. It still helps our algorithm. So, like, please do that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. What do you call Santa's little helpers? What? Subordinate clauses. Ah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, that was the Here we go. What, uh, what was the vibe in the bar when the past, the present, and the future walked in? Tense. It was tense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. And with that, we are out. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.